Chapter One, Part Two of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book Six, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Philip Edward Pusey and Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, but that the works of God should be made manifest in Him that which lies before us is hard to explain and capable of causing much perplexity so that it would be perhaps not unlearned to pass it over in silence and because of its excessive difficulty to leave it but when the jewish doctrines have been refuted lest another thing akin to them like any root of bitterness springing up trouble you as paul says for perhaps some will hence suspect that the bodies of men are affected with sufferings in order that the works of god may be made manifest in them i for my part think it seasonable to subjoin a few words with reference to this that thereby we may both keep off any injuries arising from this source and leave no loophole for deceptive arguments that god does not bring the sins of parents upon children unless they are partakers of their wickedness and further that embodiment is not on account of sins previously committed by the soul we have shown for by speaking in opposition to these two errors christ in a wonderful manner overturned them since he unquestionably knows all things as god or rather since he himself is the overruler of our affairs and the ordainer of those things which befit and are deserved by every man for in that he says the blind man had not sinned nor was suffering blindness on that account he shows that it is foolish to suppose the soul of man to be guilty of sins previous to its birth in the body moreover when he openly says that neither had his parents sinned that their son should be born blind he refutes the silly suspicion of the jews therefore after he had taught his disciples as much as was necessary for them to know in order to refute the doctrines which we have above stated and imparted to them as much as it was fitting to exhibit to the understanding of man he is silent as to the rest and sets forth no further with clearness the reason why he was born blind who was guilty of no sin previous to birth attributing to the divine nature alone the knowledge of all such things and a management of affairs which is past finding out but again he very skilfully transfers the language of his answer to something else and says but that the works of god should be made manifest in him does then some one will say the lord declare to us these words here as a certain doctrine as if for this single reason ailments attack the bodies of men that the works of god should be made manifest in them it does not seem so at all to me but rather it is evidently absurd so to imagine or suppose he certainly is not dogmatizing at all as some might think when he says this for that it happens to some to be smitten on account of their sins we have often learnt from the holy scriptures paul indeed plainly writes to those who with feet as it were unwashed dare to approach the holy altar and with profane and unholy hand to touch the mystical eucharist 
for this cause many among you are weak and sickly and not a few sleep for if we judged ourselves we should not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened of the lord that we may not be condemned with the world accordingly upon the sickly and dead it is sometimes by divine wrath that the suffering has been brought but also our lord jesus christ himself after he had loosed the paralytic from a long disease and had miraculously made him whole says behold thou art made whole sin no more lest a worse thing befall thee surely he says this as though it might happen that unless the man took heed he would suffer something worse for his sin although he had once escaped and by the lord's favour been restored to health but perhaps some may say we will grant that these things are rightly said but as to those who suffer something terrible from the cradle in their earliest years or even from the very womb are afflicted with diseases it is not easy to understand what kind of explanation any one can satisfactorily give for we do not believe that the soul previously existed nor indeed can we think that it sinned before the body for how can that sin which has not yet been called to birth but if there has been no sin nor fault preceding the suffering what then shall we allege as the cause of the suffering truly by our minds we cannot comprehend those things which are far above us and i should advise the prudent and myself above all to abstain from wishing to thoroughly scrutinize them for we should recall to mind what we have been commanded and not curiously examine things which are too deep nor pry into those things which are too hard nor rashly attempt to discover those which are hidden in the divine and ineffable counsel alone but rather concerning such matters we should piously acknowledge that god alone knows some things peculiar to himself and excellent at the same time we should maintain and believe that since he is the fountain of all righteousness he will neither do nor determine anything whatever in human affairs or in those of the rest of creation which is unbecoming to himself or differs at all from the true rectitude of justice since therefore it becomes us to be affected in this way i say that the lord does not speak dogmatically when he says that the works of god should be made manifest in him but rather he says it to draw off the answer of the questioner in another direction and to lead us from things too deep for us to more suitable ones for that is a thing he was in some sort wont to do and that this assertion is true here again how when the holy disciples were earnestly inquiring about the end of the world and very curiously putting questions concerning his second coming and going far beyond the limits proper for man he very evidently draws them away from such interrogations it is not for you says he to know times or seasons which the father has set within his own authority but ye shall receive power when the holy ghost is come upon you and ye shall be my witness both in jerusalem and in all judea 
thou hearest that he does not permit us at all to seek into those things which no way are fit for us but rather directs us to come back to what is necessary so also in this place having spoken plainly what was meet for us to learn he reserves the rest in silence knowing that it behoved himself alone to understand this but lest by being altogether silent he should as it were invite them again to ask him about the same things in the manner of alleging a reason and as though courteously fashioning some such answer as the question seemed to deserve he says but that the works of god should be made manifest in him which is just as if he had said in different and simpler language the man was not born blind on account of his own sins or the sins of his parents but since it has happened that he was so affected it is possible that in him god may be glorified for when by the power from above he shall be found free from the affliction which lies upon him and troubles him who will not admire the physician who will not recognize the power of the healer shown forth in him i think this sense is latent in the words before us but let those who are clever think out the more perfect meaning and if any think fit to be contentious and to say that the man was born blind for the very end that christ might be glorified in him we will say to them in reply do you suppose o good people that this was the only man in judea who was blind from birth in the time of the coming of our saviour and that there was no other whatever surely even though unwilling they will confess i think that in all likelihood very many such were found in all the land how was it then that christ only exhibited his kindness and power to one of them or at all events to but a small number concerning these things however i deem it superfluous to hold an argument wherefore the other opinion being rejected as foolish we will hold it true that after christ had revealed to us as much about the questions asked as was meet for us to learn he passed on to another subject skilfully turning aside his own disciple from searching into such things for we must work the works of him that sent us while it is day the night cometh when no man can work lo here again in these words plainly and reasonably he rebukes in a similar manner the disciples as if they had done something they ought not and having left the high road well trodden and firm had ventured on another which seemed not at all fit for them for why do ye ask says he things touching which it is good to be silent or why leaving that which suits the time do ye hasten to learn things beyond the capacity of man it is not a time for such curiosity says he but for work and intense zeal for i deem it more becoming passing by such questions to execute zealously god's commands and since he has appointed us apostles to fulfil the works of the apostleship when the lord numbers himself with those who are sent and enrolls himself among those who ought to work in no way does he make himself really one of us or say that he himself is subject as we are by a certain servile necessity to the will of a commander 
but he uses a common habit of speech even to ourselves trite and familiar for especially when the bare substance of an argument is not calculated to impress our hearers we are wont to join ourselves to them and to reckon ourselves with them for which reason doubtless the most wise paul addressed the corinthians as if concerning himself and apollos and at last added now these things brethren i have in a figure transferred to myself and apollos that in us ye might learn not to be wise beyond the things which are written while therefore it is day says he let us work the works of him that sent us for the night will come when no man can work in these words he calls the time of bodily life day and the time we are in death he calls night for since the day was given for works but the night for rest and sleep therefore the time of life in which we ought to work what is good people call day and the time of sleeping in which nothing whatever can be done they call night for he that hath died is justified from sin according to the saying of paul being found unable to do anything and therefore unable to sin thus holy scripture really does recognize a theory of a metaphorical day and in no less degree a corresponding theory of night and if taken into consideration at the right moment each of these metaphorical interpretations exhibits the aspect of the questions under investigation in a manner free from error but concerning unsuitable subjects and when it ought not to be done to attempt violently to drag round to a spiritual interpretation that which ought to be taken historically is nothing else than unlearnedly to confuse what is profitable if understood simply and to spoil its usefulness through excess of ignorance five when i am in the world i am the light of the world shall we then think that christ is now not at all in the world or do we believe that he having ascended to heaven after his restoration to life from the dead no longer dwells among those in this present life and yet being very god he fills and tends not only the heavens and what is beyond the firmament but also the world which we inhabit and just as while he associated in the flesh with men he was not absent from heaven so if we think rightly we shall hold the opinion that even though he is out of the world as regards the flesh his divine and ineffable nature is yet no less present among those who dwell in the world yea it overrules the universe being absent from nothing that exists neither having abandoned anything but present everywhere in all things and filling all the visible universe and whatever may be conceived of as beyond it is fully contained by itself alone the next thing therefore is to understand what it is that the lord says in these words having cast aside as a stale thing the suspicion of the jews and shown that they were foolishly entangled in unsound doctrines having given counsel to his own disciples that it was more becoming for them to strive to love the things that please god and to leave off pursuing a search into what was altogether beyond them 
and having in a manner warned them that the time for work will slip away from those who do nothing unless they devote all their zeal to the wish to do well while they are in the flesh in the world he holds up himself as an example in the matter for behold he says i also work at my own proper work and since i have come to give light to those things that were in want of light it behoves me to cause light to dwell even in the eyes of the body if they are diseased with the terrible lack of light whensoever any of the sufferers come before me we will accordingly understand what was said as spoken with reference to the occasion and in a simple sense for that the only begotten is indeed a real light with the knowledge and power to illumine not only the things that are in this world but also every other supramundane creature is not to be doubted and if we accommodate the sense of the words to the matter in hand i do not think we shall be found guilty of setting forth anything unworthy of credit six seven when he had thus spoken he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and with the clay thereof anointed his eyes and said unto him go wash in the pool of siloam which is by interpretation sent he went away therefore and washed and came seeing excepting the cure wrought upon this blind man as a type of the calling of the gentiles we will again tell the meaning of the mystery summing it up in few words first then because it was merely in passing and after leaving the jewish temple that he saw the blind man and again from this circumstance also that without entreaty and no man soliciting him but rather of his own accord and from a spontaneous inclination the saviour came to a determination to heal the man hence we shall profitably look upon the miracle as symbolical it shows that as no entreaty has been made by the multitude of the gentiles for they were all in error god being indeed in his nature good of his own will has come forward to show mercy unto them for how at all or in what way could the vast number of greeks and of gentiles beseech god for mercy having their mind darkened by gross ignorance so as to be in no wise able to see the illuminator as therefore certainly the man who has been healed being blind does not know jesus and by an act of mercy and philanthropy receives an unhoped-for benefit so also has it happened to the gentiles through christ on the sabbath too was the work of healing accomplished the sabbath being capable thereby completely to exhibit to us a type of the last age of the present world in which the saviour has made light to shine on the gentiles for the sabbath is the end of the week and the only begotten took up his abode and was manifested to us all in the last time and in the concluding ages of the world but at the manner of the healing it is really fit that we should be astonished and say o lord how great are thy works in wisdom hast thou performed them all for some one perhaps will say why although able to set all things right easily by a word does he mix up clay from the spittle 
and anoint the eyes of the sufferer and seem to prescribe a sort of operation for he says go wash in the pool of siloam surely i deem that some deep meaning is buried beneath these words for the saviour accomplishes nothing without a purpose for by anointing with the clay he makes good that which is so to speak lacking or vitiated in the nature of the eye and thus shows that he is the one who formed us in the beginning the creator and fashioner of the universe and the power of the action possesses a sort of mystical significance for that which we said just now with reference to this and what we consider may be understood by it we will mention again it was not otherwise possible for the gentiles to thrust off the blindness which affected them and to behold the divine and holy light that is to receive the knowledge of the holy and consubstantial trinity except by being made partakers of his holy body and washing away their gloom-producing sin and renouncing the authority of the devil namely in holy baptism and when the saviour stamped on the blind man the typical mark which was anticipative of the mystery he meanwhile fully exhibited the power of such participation by the anointing with his spittle and as an image of holy baptism he commands the man to run and wash in siloam a name whose interpretation the evangelist being very wise and divinely inspired felt it necessary to give for we conclude that the one sent is no other than god the only begotten visiting us and sent from above even from the father to destroy sin and the rapacity of the devil and recognizing him as floating invisibly on the waters of the sacred pool we by faith are washed not for the putting away of the filth of the flesh as it is written but as it were washing away a sort of defilement and uncleanness of the eyes of the understanding in order that for the future being purified we may be able in pureness to behold the divine beauty as therefore we believe the body of christ to be life-giving since it is the temple and abode of the word of the living god possessing all his energy so we declare it to be also a patron of light for it is the body of him who is by nature the true light and as when he raised from death the only son of the widow he was not satisfied with merely commanding and saying young man i say unto thee arise although accustomed to accomplish all things whatsoever he wished by a word but also touched the bier with his hand showing that even his body possesses a life-giving power so in this case he anoints with his spittle teaching that his body is also a patron of light even by so slight a touch for it is the body of the true light as we said above the blind man accordingly departs with what haste he can and washes and without delay performs all that was bidden him showing as it were in his own person the ready obedience of the gentiles concerning whom it is written 
he inclined his ear to the preparation of their hearts the wretched jews then were hard of heart but they of the gentiles were altogether docile in obedience and bear witness of it in experience the man having forthwith removed his blindness washing it away together with the clay now returns seeing for it was christ's pleasure that thus it should come to pass excellent therefore is faith which makes god-given grace to be strong in us and harmful is hesitation for the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways as it is written and shall receive nothing whatever from the lord eight nine the neighbours therefore and they which saw him aforetime that he was a beggar said is not this he that sat and begged another said no but he is like him he said i am he hard indeed to be believed are such surpassing wonders and that which exceeds man's experience from whatever source it comes finds the intellect to be intolerant of it and is scarcely treated with honour when convincingly forced upon people's minds for the attempt to investigate what is beyond the grasp of reason indicates a state of mind akin to insanity hence i think the unbelief of some who had previously known the blind man haunting the cross-roads and who were astonished afterwards when they beheld him unexpectedly able to discern objects with clear vision and they are divided from uncertainty regarding the event and some who consider more carefully the greatness of the deed say that it is not the same man but one remarkably like him whom they had known for indeed it really is not strange that this opinion should be expressed by some who by rejecting the truth were compelled through the greatness of the miracle to adopt an involuntary falsehood others again keep their minds free from obvious objections and in reverence and fear they recognize the wonder and say that it is the same man but he who was healed quickly settled the question by making his own statement most worthy of credit as concerning himself for no man can be ignorant of his own identity even though very ill in delirium thus in every way the marvellous deed discredited on account of the unusual degree of power it displayed testifies that the wonder-worker is to be reckoned among the great ten they said therefore unto him how were thine eyes opened with difficulty they consent to believe that he was the same man whom they had known aforetime and abandoning their hesitation on this point they ask how he had got rid of his blindness and what was the manner of such an unhoped-for event for it seems usual for those who are astonished to make careful inquiries and to investigate the manner of what has been done and these persons resolve to do the same not without the guidance of god in our opinion but in order that even unwillingly they might learn the power of our saviour from the narration and clear announcement which the blind man made to them this thou mayest accept as a beautiful type of the converts from among the gentiles becoming teachers to the people of israel after escaping from their former blindness and receiving the illumination which comes from our saviour christ through the spirit and that what we have said is true 
the events themselves will loudly proclaim. End of chapter 1, part 2